Welcome to the Betterish Podcast. I'm Angie. And I'm Malin. We can't guarantee this podcast will improve your life, but we hope it will at least make you laugh and think about being better-ish. Good morning, Angie. How are you? Oh, it's good to hear your voice, Malin, after we took a week off. It's been so long. I feel like I need, I actually woke up this morning and I was like, I need my therapy today. I'm so happy to talk to Angie because I feel like my life's been in chaos since our last session. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) Thank you. Here to work through all of our issues and solve all the world problems. Thank you. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. It was honestly one of the best Thanksgivings we had. It was low key. We just had a Friendsgiving with um, some friends in our neighborhood. We ran a little turkey trot in the morning. Well, I didn't. (laughs) Run is a a strong word. (laughs) I walked with my friend and we stopped at her house because she needed water. And then we stopped to pet two cats and like say bye to some people who were leaving. And we finished the turkey trot Um, is a better word. Angie, that reminds me. Do you remember our Iron Man conversation? And we were like, oh. if anyone knows an Iron Man, are they robots? Did you meet Text one? us. Angie, oh my gosh, one of my very best friends, Jess, messaged me and was like, Malin, you need to talk to Ben, her husband. And I forgot he's like an avid runner, like Iron Man guy. And I text her and I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Is Ben a robot? And she never texted me back. What? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Ben, I know, I quote know. unquote Ben. I know. He is Jess, <laughs> Jess, are you there? Will you text me back about Ben's robot status? Are you okay? <laughs> Did he like read your texts and like? <laughs> oh my gosh! I will check in on them later. Everybody, today. do a welfare check on Jess. I Anyone? know. Oh my gosh! Married to a Ben oh robot. No. Oh, oh so no. funny! Be but careful for the Iron Men in your life. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good job having a turkey trot though. We didn't run. We um. My sister just came in. We just ate all the best things. And okay, also confession. Do you know like that old game Frogger? Like where you yeah, where they jump the over the the yeah okay, over the so logs. We, then we have them. one. Yeah, we have one on our Apple TV called Crossy Roads. It's like Frogger and Angie. I could play it for days, and I <laughs> I can't stop. And so we just had Crossy Roads competitions for the whole Thanksgiving week. And I mean, I won. No big deal. You need to but share that on our Instagram. I, I can't like, I figure will. out how you're saying, like how I would spell to find that. So let's share that so everyone can go find Crossy. Is that Crossy, that? yeah. Okay. Crossy, like, yeah, Crossy Road. And yeah, I it's really fun. I got it on my phone too. And when I can't fall asleep at night, I just sit there and try and to crossy. cross the road. <laughs> That'd be cool if we could play against each other too. Angie, I bet we could. We'll okay. figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, I do have to say that we also saw Frozen 2. And did you see Frozen 2, Malin? We did. And did you like it? I Okay, it was fine. It was entertaining. And I and, I mean, the kids had a fun time. But I didn't like it as much as the first one. I didn't feel like it was as captivating. I think that's been the general consensus. It's just mixed reviews. I loved it. I thought it was better than the first one. But I've heard, these, really? I've heard the same thing that you, how you feel from a lot of people. But I will say that as someone who has dealt with mental illness in my life, I was bawling my eyes out when Anna sang her song, The Next Right Thing, which is why the name of this episode is called The Next Right Thing. And it's why, (laughs) to start this episode, I want to read the lyrics from that song, if that's okay. And if you haven't seen the movie, maybe this will encourage you to see it. Here's the lyrics to to her song. And this is right when she thinks Elsa has died. So Anna is like, oh, spoiler alert, sorry. She thinks Elsa has died, okay? I'm not going to say if that is what happened either way. What if a mom is listening to this in the car with her kids right now? She thinks. <laughs> All the Frozen characters are dead. <laughs> oh. 
It's over. Hooray. <laughs> no more let it go. You can let it go. Sorry, go ahead and read okay. your lyrics. All right. She is singing. She says, I've seen dark before, but not like this. This is cold. This is empty. This is numb. The life I knew is over. The lights are out. Hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. I follow you around. I always have. But you've gone to a place I cannot find. This grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, you are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do the next right thing. Can there be a day beyond this night? I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. I'm all alone. The only star that guided me was you. How to rise from the floor when it's not you I'm rising for. Just do the next right thing. Take a step. Step again. It is all that I can do. It is all that I can to do the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath. This next step. This next choice is one that I can make. So I'll walk through this night, stumbling blindly toward the light, and do the next right thing. And with the dawn, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. And Goosebumps. The, I know, and the melody is even more powerful. But yeah. the reason I love that is because when I, my most recent severe bout of depression and anxiety was when I moved a few months ago. And I won't get into too de- deep of details, but it was the darkest my mind has ever gone. And my Aww. mental, my mind, it's almost like a good angel, bad angel in my head. Like I have a dark, I have a darkness in my mind that sometimes comes steps forward and it's like telling me I'm worthless and life would be better without you. And this is how, this is, this is the first time it's gotten this dark, but when I was battling that dark, dark voice, this this song made me cry because that's literally how I would like just serve. That's how I survived. I just mm-hmm. when these voices were telling me really awful, scary things, I would just tell myself, "Well, you know what? Let's just get to them. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Let's just get to tomorrow. Just make it to tomorrow, and then that day, just make it to the next day." That's literally how I survived, really. And so that song just like hit me so hard so this episode is all about our mental health how we deal with mental health um and yeah yeah Yeah. i thanks for sharing that angie i feel like i know mental health can be this really taboo topic to discuss and a lot of people are uncomfortable with it and you know as soon as you hear somebody say like anxiety or depression sometimes people automatically just go to like oh they're crazy and they're unstable and i just want people to know that that's so not the case. It's so much deeper than people who haven't experienced it realize. And I've struggled with anxiety and depression too. My, I, I would say mine is more anxiety. Um, I've had it my whole life, but I didn't realize that that's what it was until I became an adult. Um, but when I became a mom, I was 20 when I had Briley and I had severe postpartum depression. And that was the darkest time in my life. It like, I... I like to talk about it so that I can educate people and like help people not feel alone. But at the same time, it's so painful to talk about. It just like takes me back to those really rough days. And when I listened to this song, it made me cry too and like get goosebumps. And it, you're right. It is just about let's just make it like one more hour. Like I can, I can do anything for one more hour, and then one more hour after that, and like okay, I can make it through the night, and then tomorrow I can, I can do tomorrow. And I think also just remembering 
um, what we've talked about before in a lot of episodes is like simplify. I remember those really dark days of postpartum depression just being like, okay, I'm going to do my best today. And my best might just be like making a peanut butter sandwich for lunch for my kids. Like we can watch TV all day. We can stay in pajamas, skip baths, whatever, but do your best, even if your best really is crappy, you know? Yeah. That with my son, I was on meds for postpartum anxiety with an, what do they call it? An adjustment disorder. And he was a terrible, he still is a terrible sleeper. And my husband was in dental school. I was drowning. I would keep Pop-Tarts by my nightstand so that when my almost three-year-old woke up, I wouldn't have to get out of bed. She could just crawl in the bed with me. I'd hand her a pack of Pop-Tarts and we'd turn the TV on and we'd probably stay there till like 11. Mm -hmm. Then we'd, I was so tired. It was all I could do to drag myself downstairs and make her a sandwich or something and then turn the TV on down there and lay on the couch basically until my husband got home. And Mm -hmm. that was basically how I, (laughs) I don't even remember. It was such a blur, but I got through it and she was just fine. And I did what I needed to do to survive. And I like what you brought up about normalizing mental health because for some reason, and I think the reason I think there's a stigma behind it is because it's our brain and our brain controls our behavior and our moods. But for some reason, I mean, we we talk about how we're in control of our moods and we're in control of our emotions, but to a large extent, we're not. Your brain is an organ also, and when it gets sick, then the operations it's in charge of suffer, just like any other part of your body. And there's medication to fix it. And just like other things can help manage other diseases, people do talk about how exercise and proper nutrition can help. I'm not saying solve. But in some ways, you know, people manage their diabetes or whatever through exercise and nutrition. So, but also medication, you know what I mean? So I Mm -hmm. think you can't, it's like any other person's disease. It's personal to them and how they manage it and how they deal with it. But just realize that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. That part of your body can get sick just like any other part of your body. And that's okay. And we're here to normalize that and to encourage everybody to not be ashamed in admitting it and seeking help and talking about it so that everybody can get healthy because everybody suffers when your mental health suffers. You know what I mean? Like, no, mm-hmm. we don't want suffering. We I love that you suffering. said, I love that you said, um, you're not broken. I think there's so many times in my life where I'm like, I'm broken. Like there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Like, mm-hmm. why is this happening to me? And I, I also want to just emphasize that, um, w- whatever medication might work for like Angie maybe wouldn't work for me and vice versa. I, you know, if someone tells you like their meds made them crazy or made them feel like this, like work with your doctor to find the best recipe for you. There's, you know, everyone's body reacts differently to things. And I think that's important. It's not just like a one, what's it called? One cure for all. There's, you have to work with your doctor. uh, But there's definitely no shame in like, imagine if, if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, if you could go to the doctor and be like, hey, I'm having a rough time with this, help me. And the doctor can be like, hey, let's try this pill and see if this works. And if not, we'll try a different one until you get the right one. And they make medicine, you guys, that can help you so much. I've been on meds for it. I Like, it, it is so good and it can be so helpful. And why suffer and make life harder when it doesn't need to be? Yeah, and they're not Malin pills because you're not broken. You know what I mean? They're Thank general. If it, wasn't an act, if it was an actual... If it wasn't an actual disease and illness, it wouldn't be able to be remedied with medication, right? Yeah. Like, logically. But I I think what's really important about my, my mental health is that when I'm in the throes of darkness, that is not the time where I'm able to, like, read the self-help book. I mean, I'm better-ish. I mean, this, this podcast was born out of my constant need 
to protect myself. And I think that it's it's this it's my highs, which most of the time I'm pretty stable and I'm not suffer my mental health isn't suffering, but I have to be I'm always reading the books and trying to be betterish because that will safeguard me when I'm in my darkness. So the point of this podcast today is to help help you develop tools that will help protect you when you're in the darkness. You have to do the work in your highs so that you're armed in your lows, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. that song was something that really hit me hard because that's some, that was a tool that was a mental, I mean, thing I had to do. The next right thing. Don't if my and that's what anxiety is. It's me catastrophizing the future, me being so worried because I don't know what's gonna happen, because I'm worried I my mind can just start going and like, what if my kid doesn't get into college? She's seven, don't worry about you know, that's anxiety. (laughs) It's the fear of the future. But that's why I love that song so much, because she that especially that line where she says, I won't look too far ahead, it's too much. I'll just break it down to this next breath. Everything can be broken down into what's right in front of you. So my most recent book I have been reading is called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's by Viktor Frankl, who's a Holocaust survivor. So he spent a lot of time in the concentration camps. And he's a psychologist. He was beforehand. And he survived. And he went on to write this book. And I highly, highly recommend this book to everyone. So hold on. I'm going to find... I think Angie screenshot the entire book and sent me... Yeah, I did. The entire I was like, book. Melinda, this book is so good for my mental health. You need to know. <laughs> like, you need. I need to share I love this it. with you. And everything you sent me was amazing. I do need to read the whole book. Hold on. I'm going to find the part. Because, so part of this book, I read it. And I think maybe this is why I cried so hard in that song. Because it was exactly what, oh, here it goes. Because he, he basically mirrored what she said. He's talking about the difference between the survivors, um, the people in the concentration camp. And he said, what was really needed was a fundamental change in our attitude toward life. We had to learn ourselves. And furthermore, we had to teach the despairing man that it did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. Hmm. We need to just stop asking about the meaning of life and instead to think of ourselves as those who are being questioned by life daily and hourly. Our answer must consist not in talk and meditation, but in right action and then right conduct. Life ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer to his problems and fulfill the tasks which is constantly set for each individual. These tasks and therefore the meaning of life differ from man to man and from moment to moment. Thus, it's impossible to define the meaning of life in a general way. Questions about the meaning of life can never be answered by sweeping statements. Quote, life does not mean something vague, but something very real and concrete, just as life's tasks are also very real and concrete. They form man's destiny, which is different and unique for each individual. No man and destiny can be compared with any other man or any other destiny. No situation repeats itself, and each situation calls for a different response. Every situation is distinguished by its uniqueness, and there's always only one right answer to the problem posed by the situation at hand. And I just thought, wow, the Frozen writers were did their research because this psychologist <laughs> says the same thing when I'm like, what's the point of my life? What is the point of living? The point is to do the right thing in the next situation because that is my situation that is unique to me that no one else who has ever existed or ever will exist will handle the same way I'm about to handle it. And that's, that's all. That's it. All I have to do is the next right thing. Mm-hmm. It was just poetic to find both of those, I don't know, I at the really same time that. in life. And I love that it's, it is an individual thing for all of us. Like no one, no two situations are alike and, and 
if, if you and I were going through a very similar thing, what you would need to do to fix that and what I would need to do to fix that are, are going to be different because our families are different. Our situations are different. Our lives are different. And I think it's important to remember, you can't just look at somebody and be like, why, why are they figuring it out? But I can't, why can't I do what they're doing and be happy and figure it out? Because your life's different. It won't work. You got to figure out your own, like the medicine, you got to figure out your own recipe. Yeah. And like your happy list, like everyone's Mm -hmm. list is going to look different, but that's another safeguard to have. Like have your, make that happy list when you're happy and you're in a good spot. So when you're in a dark place and you can't, you can't find happy and you can't find joy, you can do something that does that does bring you happiness and joy another really good point from this book what he's talking about suffering and how a lot of people in the concentration camps gave up and would just not get out of bed and they would die within the next two days because they just mm. they were like what's the point of all this suffering when we're just going to die anyway and in the f- in the foreword of the book they have a quote and they, he repeats it all the time he said he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how and in the foreword by Harold S. Kushner, he says, suffering in and of itself is meaningless. We give our suffering meaning by the way in, we, in which we respond to it. He says, we can discover the meaning of life in three different ways. The first is by creating a work or doing a deed. The second is by experiencing something or encountering someone. And the third is by the attitude we take toward unavoidable suffering. I like that he called mm-hmm. it unavoidable suffering because... Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable. And when he goes, he breaks down each of those and he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And then he talked about an elderly doctor who went and visited him because he had depression because his wife had died and he was just miserable. So he went to this psychologist, Viktor Frankl, and basically just said, like, what's the point? Like, I'm miserable. And then Dr. Frankl said, well, let me ask you, what if you had died first and your wife would have had to survive without you? Hmm. And he was like, oh, well, that would have been terrible for her. Like, she would have suffered. And then he said, you see, doctor, such a suffering has been spared her. And it was you who have been spared her this suffering, to be sure, at the price that now you have to survive and mourn her. And the guy said nothing else, and he walked out. And then he says, in some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. That really hit me hard too. Like attitude, like the way you like see your what the suffering you're going through can completely change yeah. can, you, you know? Another concept in this book, he talks about mental hygiene, which I had never I've never heard that phrase. But that I love that phrase. You have like oral hygiene and you have you know what I mean, like mental hygiene, like how you take care of your mind. And he, this book was written like the 50s. And I was like, wow, why don't we talk about mental hygiene more often? Yeah. I guess we talk about mental health. But I think I like that hygiene seems more actionable, like the things you do to like keep it healthy. Mm-hmm. And he, I like that he talked about it's dangerous to think that mental hygiene is when you're in balance. When he talks about homeostasis, when there's not any friction in your life, that is not mental hygiene. He talks about how a certain amount of tension, let me find it, I bookmarked this. He says it's actually dangerous, and he said to be in balance or a tensionless state is not what anyone needs. Even a person who is struggling, he goes, what man actually needs is not a tensionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. What he needs is not the discharge of tension at any cost, but the call of a potential meaning waiting to be fulfilled by him. What man needs, and then he goes on and says, and one shouldn't think that this holds true only for normal conditions. In neurotic individuals, it's even more valid. 
So he uses the phrase neuroses to define like anyone who has like a mental health condition who comes in. Mm-hmm. So in context of this podcast, anxiety and depression, he goes, if architects want to strengthen a decrepit arch, they increase the load which is laid upon it for thereby the parts are joined more firmly together. So if therapists wish to foster their parent, their patient's mental health, they should not be afraid to create a sound amount of tension through a reorientation toward the meaning of one's life, which hmm. he goes back to say is dependent on the individual, but can be found through a person or work or finding meaning in suffering. And I thought those three things are so, this is like reading this book right now was so good for me because sometime I know in the future, I will find myself in that dark place again. But now I have this knowledge and I have these tools and I have this framework to think, what is the purpose of the suffering? Like, am I suffering so someone else doesn't have to suffer? Like, or what, what can I bury myself in? Did you ever hear, Malin, maybe it was like, growing up in our church, but I, my parents always said, like, an idle mind is the devil's plaything. Have you mm-hmm. ever heard that? I wonder if that's a church thing. Yeah. I don't know, but I think there's some truth to it. Like, when I'm not busy, I, and I don't, busy is not the right word, because I don't believe in busy. If I don't, if I'm not engaged in something with purpose, that's when my mind goes to the dark place, I've noticed. Yeah. But if I'm, if I am engaged in and work that's why I had to go back to work so soon after my kid was born because I was I wasn't finding purpose only in in existing to give my daughter pop tarts and to give him my nipple like that (laughs) was not fulfilling to me and that's personal too and I can't judge it I that is fulfilling for a lot of people that's why we have an episode on work at work working moms and stay-at-home moms you know what I mean but for me personally I had already found meaning and purpose in my work that when I had stepped away from it, like, I felt that void and needed it. But that's personal to me. And that, you know what I mean? But So I just feel like it's really important, no matter where you are in life, if you're not feeling fulfilled, to find something that's, don't be busy for the sake of busy. Don't just fill up your to-do list thinking that's going to help you avoid, you know, mental health problems. But truly go to your happy list and find something that you're passionate about and do those things to help protect your mind. Yeah, I I like that. I like that you talked about going back to work after having kids and that that was very fulfilling to you. I, I've i talked to a lot of moms and I even felt it too having young kids because you are home all day, stay-at-home moms. It can be exhausting. It is hard. And when your mental health isn't at its greatest, I just remember like sitting on the kitchen floor crying and being like, why is this my life? This is my life. This is the great thing that I'm supposed to be fulfilling motherhood. Like this is it. I was so angry and I didn't feel fulfilled at the time. And some moms like looked at that like, you mean your kids aren't fulfilling to you? And that's not what it is. My kids fulfill me in that way. But when my mental health isn't great, I need I need something else. That Then motherhood isn't the fulfilling thing for me. I need more. I need to work. I need to stay busy. I need a hobby. I need something else to be passionate about aside from my children who I love and fulfill me. But do you know what I mean? There's oh, like yeah. different things of fulfillment. And I think part of that for me was my anxiety, just like thinking like, well, what's the point? They're going to grow up and move on anyway. And then what good? I'm like, am I only good? I don't know. That's just my mental health, <laughs> health talking, just catastrophizing. But I think it's also what I need to find purpose outside of motherhood because mm-hmm. any, any moment, any, you know, we could lose anything. I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I know no, exactly what you mean. I think the thing is that life, life just has to move on whether you're depressed or having a hard time with motherhood or feeling anxious, 
it's like that song, just do the next right thing. You have to pick up and, and move forward the best way you know how and not be afraid to ask for help or admit that you're struggling because I think more people struggle than we realize. Yeah, suffering is just part of life. Um, another part of this book, I'm just going to keep quoting it, when he's talking about the concentration camps and the people there and enduring the suffering, he's ta- he says, in the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. Fundamentally, therefore, any man can, even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him, mentally and spiritually. He may retain his human dignity even in a concentration camp. Hmm. And then he went on and said, such people forgot that often it is just such an exceptionally difficult external situation which gives man the opportunity to grow spiritually beyond himself. He talks about not asking what's the meaning of life, but just believing that there's something in the future that I need to do. There's something ahead. There's a task that's going to affect humanity or affect the way the world turns. There's something in the future for me. And that just hope, I guess, that made the difference between the people in the concentration camps who gave up and the ones who held on. Just the belief that this suffering has a purpose and I need to get through it because there is something in the future for me. And that's pretty deep. Like, I feel like that's pretty universally applicable. Like, even especially in motherhood, I feel like I have to tell myself all the time, like, this is worth it. Me working from home, me sacrificing the suffering, the sleep loss, like, this is, there's a greater, ta- you know, this is the fu- this is for a future good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I believe that's why we're here. I believe that we're here to help each other through our suffering and our trials and to lift people up. And when we go through these things, instead of making them this negative, horrendous thing that we always like to talk about and dwell upon, we need to turn it into a tool to to help others so that people don't have to suffer the same way that we did. Melinda, even this podcast. Like maybe there's something here. Maybe there is someone suffering or someone will suffer and they'll remember, you know, or maybe just... The Frozen song, like yeah. just the next right thing is what, I, that just stuck in my head. Like when I'm suffering, that's, I know that's going to pop into my head. Yeah. You just have to do the work in the off season. That's what I call it. <laughs> in the off season. In the off season of your mental health breakdown. <laughs> do the work in the off season. I don't feel like right now is the off season. The holiday season is a really it's high not, yeah. anxiety and depression time. And I... I remember growing up and my mom always kind of being like a little bit more frazzled around the holidays and her telling us like it's it's really hard because you have all the kids home from school and there's a lot going on and there's all these events that you're planning for and and I, as a kid like I didn't realize that you know but now yeah. as a mom I'm like oh yeah the holidays can be so tough and I just I want people to have a happy holiday and for them to not to not be it for the holidays to not be bogged down by like uh, yeah. sadness and depression. I I don't know how to, I guess this podcast is a good help, <laughs> help people snap out of it, but now it's not the off season. No, I, yeah, I just mean like generally speaking when it's, yeah, listen to the podcast. That's easy. That's, let's listen to it while you drive around. It'll help. <laughs> listen to <laughs> podcasts. That's a good maintenance tool when it's when it's the on season, when it's the busy season for <laughs> the little demons up in your mind. Um, there's another, so um, obviously I just quote books nonstop, but Victor Frankl developed, I don't know if he developed it, but he practices logotherapy, which is basically 
helping people find the purpose of life, giving life purpose. And he he gave this concept, which I thought was brilliant. He said, live as if you were living already for the second time and as if you had acted the first time as wrongly as you're about to act now. (laughs) It seems to me that there's nothing which would stimulate a man's sense of responsibleness more than this maxim, which invites him to imagine first that the present is past and second that the past may yet be changed and amended. And, I, and then he says, such a precept confronts him with life's finiteness as well as the finality of what he makes out of both his life and himself. And then I just thought on a practical, in a practical sense, sense that really kind of circles back to like doing the next right thing. But sometimes you have to consider like, what if you were already looking back with that 2020 hindsight? What do you wish you would have, you know, we're always like, oh, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have done this. Oh, yeah. What if we could a- analyze our decisions and when we're trying to make the right, the next right decision, we do it as if we're already looking through the lens of the past. You know, my husband always, <laughs> when I'm, when I'm working on something or trying to figure out how to phrase something, and I, I'll always, I, my husband's just my, he's my guy, he's my best friend, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, what about this? What about this? And so his go-to phrase is always, all right, great, let's get all the bad ideas out first. And I'm like, shut up. That's not a bad idea. But that's what he always says. And then he's like, okay, great. Like, have a sound. I hope you all have an Enrique in your life that can be your sounding board for your bad idea. Or I don't even realize it's a bad idea. It's just poorly phrased or not very tactful. But anyway, I just like that he says, nothing can make us feel more responsible for our decisions than to consider that we've already, you know, that we're living for the second time and we've already made the wrong decision. So now make the right decision. I just really liked that. It was just, yeah. I have a quote from this book, but it's from someone else named Bismarck. And he says, life is like being at the dentist. You always think that the worst is still to come. And yet it is over already. (laughs) I love your (laughs) dental references. (laughs) I know. I like, it reminds me of what you always say. Like this, everything is, nothing is permanent. Everything's temporary. Everything will pass. You know what? That's like my biggest life advice to anyone who's listening to this. I seriously, I think about that every day. I think about it every morning. (laughs) Me too. Ever since you like brought it to my awareness. I really do. No matter what, it's not going to go on forever. Whatever you're going through right now, you can do this. People have been through, uh, swear words, people have been through a lot (laughs) and you, you are so capable. I woke up this morning so, I was, you know, I don't know what it was. Something set me off the other day. Oh, I know what it was, but I don't want to, I shouldn't talk about it here. I, something on social media (laughs) set me off the other day and I was really grumpy yesterday and I just, it was one of those things like I couldn't control. I was just, I was moody and just didn't want to be bothered. And I woke up feeling the same way this morning. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't have a choice, Melinda. The kids need you to get them ready for school. Turn on your mom charm. You can pretend this for an hour while you get them out the door and then you can, gripe but then I got to do a podcast with you so I'm all happy all as well the day has been turned around I think just like being aware like making the mental note like oh I'm unhappy at the moment like I I think that's that was a huge thing for me in my life is you can be sad and angry and fine but if you can decide why you're sad and angry I think it's easier to like come out of that like yeah I'm ticked off today because I saw this thing on social media that made me mad acknowledge that it made you mad and then move on don't just let it fester all day yeah find purpose in the suffering acknowledge it realize it won't last forever and get through it yeah and do the next right thing perfect um also I will say that a few months ago when I did move and I was in my dark place I used better help because there's one therapist within like 50 miles of me and I needed to talk to someone because my thoughts were very dark 
And so I signed up for BetterHelp. And I, I don't know what used, that is. What is it's that? It's a text. It's a, it's it's like a remote therapy. You can do it right from your phone. And you can call or text or video. And there's a free, like if you just Google it, you can get a free week trial. And I only used the free week trial. But uh, my husband has used it and paid for it. Like it's, um, there's a lot of, this is a new concept and it's big. BetterHelp is just one of them. There's other, if you Google like virtual therapy, you'll see a lot. It's usually cheaper than actual, ther- than like a physical therapist, but it's convenient because it's from home. You can text, you can video call, whatever. And you don't have to like run into them at the grocery store if that's something that matters <laughs> to you. But I used it and I would highly recommend, I would highly recommend it to anyone else who just, sometimes you need someone to talk to who you're not going to see all the time. Like you don't want to tell your deep, dark suffering to the people around you or that are close to you. I get that. Yeah. So if you need someone to talk to, I highly recommend it. Yeah, good advice. Thank you. All right, happy holidays, everyone. You can do Guys, thank you so much for being here. We truly consider you part of our Betterish gang. We would love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. So email us at betterish.podcast at gmail.com or message and tag us on Instagram at betterish.podcast. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make it real good because we might just share it here on our next episode and bonus points if you share the Betterish podcast with all of your friends.